just start with a lower stakes project. If you're nervous about it, if you're nervous about people, somebody flaking out or not sure how the budget's going to play out, look at what's on your back burner, like what you haven't had time to actually put your head down and work on. Pull it off the back burner and find a freelancer that could work on it for you. You're listening to Content Logistics, a podcast for B2B marketers looking to build a content engine that drives revenue. In each episode, Camille Trent interviews the marketers behind the best content marketing flywheels and uncovers the tactical aspects of content production from first draft to first customer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Content Logistics. I'm your host, Camille Trent. This episode is brought to you by my good friends, Tristan and Justin. They own Motion, which is an agency that helps busy B2B tech marketers launch podcasts just like this one. So if you're wanting to launch a podcast, thinking about launching a podcast, don't really know where to start, don't know if you're going to have time, definitely recommend checking them out. Not only are they top quality, and I think you'll see that if you see any of my promotional stuff in the feed, I'm not doing that. That is 100% them. And then on top of that, though, they need no hand-holding. Like if anything, they're holding my hand rather than me holding the agency's hand, which is super refreshing. And so definitely, definitely recommend them. Today, our guest is Brooklyn Nash. He's the head of content at Sales Hacker. He's also the content marketing manager at Outreach, and he co-owns a content marketing agency. On top of that, he's just a really cool guy. And so today, I wanted to bring him on to walk us through the logistics of working with freelance writers to scale up your content team. This episode goes out to all the frazzled freelancers out there and people that are wanting to hustle, wanting to start their own agency model, or on the flip end, if you are like me and you're in an in-house role and you're like, I would love to hire a freelancer and like my life is going to be so much better and like I'm just going to hand off everything to the freelancer and then it'll just get taken care of and be smooth sailing. And if you're in that position and you found out that it does not work that way and you're, you don't know why, this episode is also for you. So in-house marketers and freelancers, listen up because today's episode, I'm talking to Brooklyn Nash, who is the head of content at Sales Hacker um, and also at Outreach. And he's going to talk about working with the content freelancers and why it tends to go wrong. So Brooklyn, tell me about uh, the state of freelancing right now and what are just the biggest mistakes that you're seeing content teams and agencies get wrong when trying to hire freelancers? Pretty much what you said at the beginning. I'm glad you led with that because I, so I have about eight years of experience in content marketing. The first six, I was solely a freelancer. I didn't have any in-house content marketing experience. So I had lots of empathy for freelancers. But now after the last couple of years of being in-house and managing freelancers, I have a lot more empathy than I used to for those who manage freelancers. Because like you said, it's not, (laughs) it sounds easy, like, great, let's bring three people on. They can expand our bandwidth like crazy. It's not going to take me a bunch of time. I, I didn't know what I was talking about until I started doing it myself on this other side. So in terms of big mistakes, I, I think that's number one is trying to move too quickly, like saying, okay, we have this big project that we, and this big deliverable that we need in next month. Let's start looking for freelancers. Even that is not, that's probably not enough time. And a lot of freelance managers try to do it with even less time. Um, Because you have to, I mean, it takes a long time to find the right person and then it takes a while to get them up to speed or you just end up paying a pretty big premium for somebody to do it 
at rush speed and somebody who really, really knows their stuff. So you don't have to coach them or give them as detailed of a brief and all of that. So I think number one is just trying to move too quickly and not giving space to like build a, build a freelance program or capacity at your team instead of just, oh, we have this project. Let's find a freelancer to do it for us. Like you got to take a step back and build it up to that. Yeah. Yeah. Those Which are all I say points. that with a, a grain of salt because that's not how anything in marketing works. Like everything in marketing is always rushed, but this is one uh, you're working with people. Like let's put some, let's put some process behind it. Yeah. And I think the, the big key there is with content, like it is a long-term play. It can be a short-term play too. Like it can, it can drive results in the short term, but if you're going to be like an effective content marketing manager, you have to be thinking long-term, right? You have to like be thinking about your content calendar and thinking about what you're trying to accomplish. And so I think some people might, including me, like think about this, listen to this and think like a month like that, like I need it like next week, like that's, mm -hmm. you know, or like two months like that. But being on the other side of it, you can kind of see, you can see why too. So I've been, I've been a freelancer as well, kind of before going back into the in-house role. And, uh, and so I can see both sides of it too. And just like a quick, quick anecdote on that is there was one job that I took on where my first draft, so they'd given like an outline, but hadn't really, hadn't necessarily had like a onboarding call right and ha like didn't have necessarily like the process was just here's the outline kind of like fill it in and mm -hmm. i didn't have like much of a understanding of like the the target buyer like it wasn't in my wheelhouse it was like <laughs> enterprise it right and so my first draft was okay like it was like it was just okay right and and then and then i just asked for like a lot of feedback and like what what they were looking for examples of what would uh, great look like and then after that, like the second draft was so much better. <laughs> like, I think like after the first one, they're like ready, ready to like fire me. And then the second one, they're like, oh, like actually like you can't, you can write. And, and so it's really just like getting, knowing that it's going to take some time to get on the same page, like with, with the freelancer and that you, you're probably not going to get it right the first time too. Like it has to be a fit on both ends. And so, so those are some things that we'll get into more, but that was the big thing that stood out to me is like, you empathize with it like so much differently once you've actually done it. And until you have done it, until you've been like the freelancer or been like the content marketing manager, it always feels like you're the one being wronged. <laughs> so, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. As a manager, like give as many resources as not as not overloading, but give as many resources as possible for sure. And then for freelancers ask for it. It wasn't until you're totally right. It's you can do such a better job when you have all the context, sign an NDA, whatever you need to do to get all that context and start asking your new clients for it. So you have that going into it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other piece is by, by keep taking that mindset, you open yourself up to work, to build more long-term relationships with like giving while giving people the opportunity to grow instead of feeling like you have to spend a lot of money to work with somebody who has 10 years of experience in this specific thing. Instead, look for somebody who knows their stuff, but is maybe just starting out and you can try to coach them along the way. And then they get, they grow, you grow. It's probably cheaper, at least initially. Like the, the freelance writer, the main freelance writer, we work at Sales Hacker. Before us, she didn't have any freelance writing experience, but she had been a seller at multiple tech companies for 10 or more years. So she knows our audience like the back of her hand because she is and was our audience.
so now it was more about me coaching her through the writing process and she is an excellent writer thankfully so that combination like she's automatic naturally a good writer and has a ton of experience in the field but didn't have any freelance or, or freelance writing or content marketing experience it just became about me kind of coaching her of what content marketing looks like instead of trying to fill in a freelance writer on what our sales audience cares about yeah, no, I think I think the big takeaway for, for folks here, and I think that one of the main things that you can get wrong with a freelancer is expecting them to be like the subject matter expert, right? And Sales Hacker has done, I think, a, a great job of creating a community and championing salespeople, right? And and really wanting those submissions to come directly from people that are experiencing the problem and that have like the know-how to to give advice, like and have the, the credibility to, to give advice. And then the second piece of this though, is they also have to be a good communicator. So thankfully for sales, salespeople are good communicators. Like that's why they are able to sell. And so that doesn't always translate into great writing. And so figuring out if the audience or the subject matter experts that you need to get to, if they are going to be able to better convey that knowledge, like through audio or video or through like written, and then being able to, as the editor or as like the, the managing editor, or the content marketer, like figure out what you need to do to put that in the format that your readers or your listeners want to see. And so it's, it's pretty simple, but pretty complicated, like in execution. But I think the big takeaway from, for, for me is just like, start with the subject matter expert. Like don't start with a writer. It, it can be a subject matter expert that is, is a writer, but the, it's easier to coach the writing part than the subject matter expert part. Definitely. hundred percent agreed. Cool. So I'm going to sort of back up and, and ask you about just how you start off this process. Like how do you hire a freelancer? Where do you go looking for them and what are must haves and nice to haves? So just starting at the beginning of how do you find a freelance writer or a subject matter expert in this case? Taking time, taking time for it. The must haves and nice haves. That's a good way of framing it. Must have would be just being a good writer. Like you said, you don't, I think, Basically, what I'm saying is repeating what you said. They, I'm not looking for a subject matter expert. I'm looking for a great writer, whether that in the past they were in e-commerce or D2C or B2C instead of B2B. Like As long as they're a great writer, you can train in the other pieces of content marketing. It's a lot harder to train somebody on just the writing element. So number one, having a writing sample that I just love and maybe feels like is better written than I could write it. <clears throat> Number two is a referral or a review to somebody who has worked with them in the past so that I know. I mean, flakiness is like the number one, one of the, one of the top issues of working with freelancers, right? Is coming across somebody who's just flaky. So having a, a referral or a review kind of puts that, puts me at ease from the start. <laughs> and then honestly, I was trying to think of a phrase for it, but kind of having a project management mindset so they know how to ideally i'm giving them briefs and passing it over but ideally they know how to take very little information and, and expand it out into what the full project needs to be needs to be and maybe that's early that's just the research phase but then down the line maybe that's actually them writing the, the interview questions for the sme for example and knowing all the pieces that need to get come together instead of me having to get all these pieces together and then just passing it for the writing portion it's something like you can like grow into over time. Yeah, nice. Okay, and then the so... nice to have is, is industry experience and the ability to scale, but those aren't 
as necessary as those other pieces. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So to, to sort of recap that part, talent and then like trustworthiness organized, and that's kind of like that project management piece. And then, yeah, the nice to haves is more of they are like a subject matter expert. Maybe they have like some extra research type skills that could fit into that or interviewing skills. And so that kind of brings me to, to another question of what do you expect of a writer? Like what should a content marketer expect of a writer? Cause the scope can be different, right? It can be like, I expect you to interview these people or like source source the experts if you're not the expert, write your own outlines, do your own SEO research. So what do you um, expect from a writer? I'm sure it, it varies, but maybe just talk to like sales hacker. Yeah. I mean, you said it very, I'm going to be a, the classic marketer response and say it depends, but it really does. I mean, if, if we start off a project and the agreement is you will write these pieces and I provide the brief, then my expectation is they're the writer. But if we start off an engagement or, for example, if I'm starting off an engagement with a client and I'm saying I can handle the SEO research, writing up the briefs, getting that approved, running the interviews, creating the first outline, running edits, like the whole the whole nine yards, then that's that becomes the expectation. And the difference really just is pricing. You just price those out differently and expect different pricing from freelancers. And that, I think that's the number one piece. Just if you would, if you're, if you have a limited budget, then maybe put more time into putting those other elements in place so that you can just pass off for the writing portion. But if you're looking for a kind of a long-term partner who can really help you with more of the strategy and running things, then maybe expand your budget a bit and extend your expectations accordingly. Gotcha. Okay. So if you have a decent sized budget, have you found like, have you ever found like a writer that does all of those things really well? Or like if you have an unlimited budget, let's say, would you still want to split those things up into like content strategy or like SEO and writing? Like how would you think through hiring freelancers for those different needs? Yeah, that's a good point. Ideally, you have multiple roles, so your bases are covered and you, you can play on people's strengths. I don't know if I've worked with a, a freelancer who has done all of those pieces. I'll do that from time to time with clients. It depends on the, the project scope. Um, but I mean, we <laughs> we don't have a major budget with Sales Hacker, so I don't have a good answer <laughs> to your question. Yeah, no, no. Maybe talk through just uh, at Sales Hacker, like the process, like what are like maybe the minimum viable pieces that you need to to get this like type of content engine running or our guest guest program running? Yeah, the the way we did it was we have, well, we have five freelancers really, but for like the actual content production, it's three freelancers. We have a freelance writer, a freelance editor, and a freelance SEO. And that's worked really well because the SEO can focus on page updates um, and the writing isn't, doesn't necessarily have to be the strong suit there, but he's very strong with the project management and the strategy for the SEO and knowing what to update and where and all that. So we're going, we're going through 200 pages and updating them and that's the whole project. Then we have a freelance writer who kind of fills the gaps with our contributor program. Sometimes she'll ghostwrite for contributors, especially if they're like internal to outreach. Sometimes I give a brief over if it's a topic that contributors wouldn't really necessarily want to cover, like more of an SEO play, like 
sales buzzwords, for example. It's not as in the weeds and strategic as what we get from our contributors. And then our freelance editor has really helped manage the program. I review the first draft and give high-level feedback. And then once they turn around V2, I pass it to her and she gets it up in the calendar, goes through for more line editing, works with the author to get their profile up. So once I get a high level review, then I'm able to pass it off to her. So for our, I mean, it's pretty unique because it's like a contributing author model for the site rather than, you know, a SaaS, a SaaS site, for example, but it works well for that model. Nice. Yeah. No, thanks for walking me through that. If you didn't have, if it wasn't uh, set up as a guest uh, contributing author type setup, do you think that you would have like two writers, three writers? Would you prefer to like outsource to freelancers? What do you think your ideal setup would be there? Yeah, I'd probably not have an editor. Instead, I'd have a second or third, second and third writers and probably give them specific beats. Like one is talking to the sales and CS for case studies. One is talking to internal SMEs for the how to's and the other one is like top of funnel all SEO content, for example. Nice. I love that because it's basically like build a media company, right? And like yeah, set, set exactly. up your site like as as a media company, have beat writers, right? Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. So tell me kind of about your aha moment with, with this kind of strategy. Like mm -hmm. when did you finally find synergy i'm gonna i'm gonna use the word synergy like when you're hiring freelancers right like that perfect like you saw that like things were going like and there weren't holdups like when did you get to a point where things were working month ago <laughs> uh well two two different answers to do two different questions when did they start working was a month or two ago the aha moment was a few months into my role i'm about a year in to sales hacker and the aha moment was basically realizing that it's okay for this to take up more of my time on the front end in exchange for it, it being able me being able to pass more off down the line and that's exactly what happened with all three of those freelancers for the seo update project i was very much hands-on for the first hundred pages i didn't do there weren't great briefs but I, I went through the basics of like here's the bullets we need to update here's the keywords did all of that and they ran with it and it turned out great had a big impact then for the second hundred second round of 100 pages they created the briefs and i just went through and reviewed and approved or made comments and it so the first time around it took me for 100 pages it took me like 40 hours or something like that the second time around it took me like seven or eight hours <laughs> to review everything and same with our freelance writer. I spent a lot of time on briefs, especially because she was new to content marketing. Just kind of going through, here's what the suggested outline is. Here's secondary keywords. Here's how I went through researching it. But then by the third or fourth month, I started asking her to do a bit of research and create a simple brief for me to review. And then I'd add comments and she'd run with it. So again, that cut my time way down, even though on the front end, it took a lot more time. Yeah, uh, no, that's great. I think one way I've heard this put is like, do the unscalable things for a while. And then you find like those learnings and you figure out how to like one, double down on what's working, but then two, like, just pass along your knowledge, like, think about it as time like invested in, in teaching and like in training so that later, like it pays off, but don't expect it to pay off right away. And that's like something that I'm finding as well. And it's definitely 
worth looking into. So the logistics of hiring freelance writers, who do you think like should, should consider hiring freelance writers? I think it's going to be like everybody. ideal. Okay. Sorry. This could be like <laughs> ideal industry stage, but. Oh, I see. I mean, I think, I think nearly any marketer could benefit from outsourcing some pieces to a freelancer or multiple freelancers if they have the budget. I mean, if you're a marketing team of one, you can scale yourself like exactly how I was talking about, like spend some time putting thought into who to work with and how to work with them. And then after a few months, you're off to the races. If you're a large marketing team, likely you have all of these different channels and uh, like the work scales with the team. It's not like you all of a sudden have more time because you have a 30 person marketing team instead of a one person marketing team, you're just doing more things. So even then, you know, a content marketing manager would benefit from outsourcing to freelance writers. Like demand gen would benefit from having a, a designer to outsource things to. So I think nearly anybody would benefit. Yeah, no, I think that's reasonable. So prioritizing what kind of content freelancers do you typically hire first and why? So yeah, just who would be your first hire? SEO. And that's maybe I'm a little biased because that's how I came up in freelance writing and content marketing was starting with a very much SEO focus, which I've kind of moved away from now. It's only like half of what I do, <laughs> but it's, I mean, I don't know of any, I'm sure there are, but I don't know of any, or I've never worked with any company where SEO was not their biggest channel. So why not expand your bandwidth for putting content out for your biggest distribution channel? And it's yeah. going to be super time consuming because SEO, doing SEO well takes a lot of content and a lot of time and a lot of work. So outsource the pieces that you can. Yeah. So you mentioned that recently, like your time has been split and it's not a hundred percent SEO. So where is the, the rest of your time being spent? Yeah, I am, I'm as a contractor. So I'm just moving more into thought leadership pieces where I'll run interviews with, you know, the partners or board members or whoever, and then kind of on the flip side, <clears throat> it sales, almost sales enablement content, white papers and case studies and that kind of thing. Gotcha. So on a content team, do you have kind of a sense on how you would split those things? Like, it sounds like maybe you would, you'd start with SEO and build up some content there, build up some traffic, and then maybe layer on those other pieces. Like, how do you think through, how do you think through kind of those three different pillars? Yeah, I think having like those beat writers for each of those spaces, and this is not my concept for content marketing at all. It's something that Outreach is doing it, when they were, when it was just the one content marketing manager, she, that's how she was treating freelance writers. And then now, even as we're making full-time hires, we have, she's senior content marketing manager, and then we'll have two content marketing managers. One is very much focused on bottom of funnel, and one is very much focused on website, top of funnel, SEO. And it seems to be working out well. Nice. Yeah, no, I love like the, the bottom up and like tops down, like approach like that makes a lot of sense. So when you are looking to hire writers, how do you evaluate things? We talked about this a little bit, but maybe some of the interview questions and test projects that you might give them. Yeah, I'm really bad with, with interview questions, to be honest. I was like on a few loop interviews and it was always really fun, but I'm not, I don't know that I'm the best interviewer. But for one of our freelance positions, it's a growth associate focused on a little bit of graphic design, a lot of social media, a little bit with email, just kind of expanding our capacity to Sam and I and my direct report and I. So when we brought, when we were hiring for that, we did a test project that worked out well. We just asked them to 
do two things that they would be doing in their day-to-day and it wasn't going to take more than an hour or two but it was like and we left it very broad on purpose to kind of see where they would take it with with their creativity so one was just creating three social posts and then the other was a bit of design for a landing page and we were looking for two things we were looking for their creativity like could they take this pretty broad guidance and create something that we really liked and ownership like can they go through the steps instead of us providing step-by-step instructions can they take this broad assignment and go through the steps that they need to to make it happen yeah no i like that you gave that example because well no that's that's great that it, that it actually worked too I, I like that you gave that example because it's different than a writer like a, like a writer you can give some you can give them a an outline um or you can it's just more structured for, for long form. But then for something like this, it's like, you really just want to see their creativity and like how they think through things. And so thinking about like different test projects for different types of content roles, I think is important too. Like you mentioned with the SEO, like it was more about organization and like project management and some of those kind of strengths, almost like more data focused strengths. Like, whereas our freelance writer, it might be more of like their style and like their creativity and like the organization like within the post itself like rather than in the project so so i think that's that's a cool way to kind of think through different types of content hires and that you can't just you can't just use like the same process for different types of writers right okay so then onboarding so you found you found like the perfect writer on on paper like they check they check all these boxes but it can still fail like you can you can hire someone super talented that's worked for all of your friends and then have a situation where like, like really this person, like they're like underperforming and it's their fault. Right. But it's usually like on the onboarding side of things. Right. And if there's not clear expectations and goals, then things can go wrong. So just kind of walk me through your onboarding process, just tools and resources that you might want to give a new freelance writer. Yeah. I think before you bring it, maybe not before, but at least alongside you, you bring in a freelancer on board and you should have like a writer's guide or editorial guidelines in place. So it's not just, here's the brief for this piece. It's here's everything you need to be a successful writer with Sales Hacker or with Outreach. I took a page out of Carrie Murray. She's the senior content marketing manager at Outreach. And she has a great writer's guide for freelance writers for Outreach. And it covers you know, resources that they can look at internally. They, it covers like top blog posts. It covers audience and messaging and tone and voice and all these pieces that I think f- to set a new freelancer up for success, you need to have it in place. You need to be able to point them in the right direction for getting up to speed with the broader picture and not just what the parameters of the initial project are. And then it makes them feel like they are more invested and more of an owner in the project rather than just something somebody to outsource things to so i mean that's number one because you could put together folders and all this but if you can put together a writer's guide that's probably pretty long like within five between five to ten pages that points out to all these other resources that's like one central source of truth for them to come back to anytime they have a question yeah, that makes sense. So it's basically your guys's like editorial guide, almost. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So you have Which are that. kind of fun. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's a little nerdy, but they're kind of fun to put together. Like if you haven't put one together yet, you, you meaning 
audience listeners go through the process because you you kind of learn a lot about your own content by going through the process. Yeah, no, I think that's a great tip too. And, and even giving like the length of like, this should be pretty lengthy. This should be like a five to 10 page document to really cover like all your bases. Do you guys go as far as like talking about channel in there of like our tone per channel and like our style per, per channel? Not directly. The one time we have is social, like just the social is different than the article. So for like that growth associate position, for example, Sam, uh, uh, our producer has put together a great, essentially writer's guide for social. And she gives examples of how to keep it light. Um, she gives specific instructions for avoid this, do this, don't do this. Um, and it's super helpful for social. That's the only time where we've kind of differentiated the two. Yeah, no, I like that. And separating like, here's kind of our, our social playbook. And then here's like our writer's guide yeah. that we can give to freelancers. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So having those two, and then what about tools? Do you use like a specific project management tool? How do you communicate with freelancers? Now we're using Asana, but that's just the last few months. Cause I was like, dang it. We got to get on Asana. We got to get up to speed with this project management thing. And before that we were just operating mostly out of Google sheets, which works to a certain point. I mean, it's super straightforward. Asana just helps with the, the collaborative piece and like bringing everything under one roof instead of having an email chain and a Slack question and Google Sheets and then the Google Doc with the brief, like it just brings it all together. Perfect. Okay. So I like that you said that you can get it done with Sheets though. <laughs> like if, you if you're trying to overcomplicate it, which I think we, we all can do as content marketers, like just start with Google Sheets, like an email, and that can work and clearly did work yep. for Sales Hacker for a long time. Okay, great. And then do you oh, set also, up the... No, sorry. go ahead. Another tool that I love for communicating with freelancers is Loom, which is not new, like just the short videos is your Chrome extension, but it makes feedback and expanding on briefs so much easier. And like, sometimes you can express yourself better or at least expand on things better by talking versus trying to figure out how to write it down, especially when you're trying to like connect different pieces or show how it ties in with the big picture. So I use Loom all the time for reviewing stuff and kind of adding on top of briefs. Nice. No, that's a great tip. And that was like reading my mind for the next question too, because I was just going to ask that's about cool. like the best ways to, to communicate. So it sounds mm -hmm. like Loom, email, the project management tool like Asana, anything else, any other like things that people should know, like do you include them in your Slack channel, for instance? I love, yeah, we include our freelancers in the Slack channel and I love when I get included in Slack instances for my clients because it makes it a lot easier for like the quick question thing, you don't have to track threads. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Okay, perfect. So yeah, I think that's plenty for communication. And I think the, the video tool especially is, is great for adding context. I've heard that a few times, but I haven't done it much. So I need to do it more retention. So like, do you focus on retention and how can you succeed so well with a freelancer that they really like want to stay on for years? I think just going back to what we were talking about in the beginning of just treating it as a long-term relationship and a long-term investment versus this is somebody that's going to help us complete this one three month project. So instead of at the very beginning, we said, take more space, take more time, go into it more slowly. The reason is you like, you can build yourself up for long-term success by doing that. So instead of, I'm always tempted to just like make changes myself when I get a draft back, 
But instead of doing that, taking the time to go through and do track changes and leave comments. And instead of changing the phrasing, leave a comment that points them in the right direction. Like, hey, this is a little vague. Can we make it more specific? Or we need an example here. And instead of trying going myself and trying to source that example or rephrase the paragraph, just kind of pointing them in the right direction. And then over time, I think like the relationships, the relationship gets better. They get better. You're not spinning your wheels trying to do more work on top of the work that you were trying to outsource that's what's worked well for me yeah no that that makes a lot of sense as a freelancer since you've been on the other side of it what do you think are the factors what have been the factors in like you leaving for instance like you walking away from a client and then also like you you staying like what let's start with like what would make you leave what would make me leave is inconsistency so you know we say okay, this project is for two articles a month. And then after like the sixth or seventh month, like I have to ping them at like by the 10th or 11th of the month and be like, hey, are we still moving forward with the content this 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 month? Like if I have to do that too many times, then that would typically make me leave because I just need consistency and know, I know what my bandwidth is and I fill my bandwidth up and that's what it is. So then all of a sudden there's, if there's a gap there, then it's not worth it on my end. Another, I don't know if this would make me leave, but something to avoid is like just too many, I mean, too many cooks in the kitchen or like having the worst is when the brief says one thing very clearly and you go through V1, maybe even V2, and then it makes it to other stakeholders in the company. And they're like, oh, hey, they flag something as oh, I don't think we should say this, or I think we need to add this or leave this out. The worst is we need to take this out. Well, why did you include it in the brief in the first place? So just like make sure you have your ducks in the row first and be strategic about who you're involving in the review process and what you're communicating to the freelancer, basically. Yeah, no, that that like hit home uh, a lot. Like there's nothing like worse than like going through and like writing the whole thing and like exactly to the brief and then like the brief changing or like the whole direction of the project changing. Because yeah, because yeah, there's, there's no way to fix it. You just have change. to do it again. Yep, exactly. I'd rather the scope change than the like specifics of the brief change. And freelancers hate scope changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And the other, I think, uh, thing for people to understand is like freelancers need that that like consistency. No, like nobody wants to be stuck on a hamster wheel. Like you're going into freelancing because like you want a better situation, right? And so if everything is like a one-off and a one-off project, then that is probably more stressful than your day job. And so you want those kind of like partner clients that are gonna like stay around for long-term and that can turn into long contracts. And yeah. so that's just something to consider too, is that when you are testing out freelancers, like it's important to do that and make sure it's a good fit, like on, on the front end and having like those tests and one-off projects, but also trying to create like real relationships. If, if you want those freelancers to stick around and if you want to get the best out of them, cause you, you won't get like their best work on the first, like one, two or three times. Like that's just, that's just how it is. And so not, I think it's a, a combination of like not judging it on just that. And then also just thinking long-term to begin with, uh, it's easy to get in that short-term yeah. sort of mindset. And it's just showing, like you said, you that last sentence kind of jogged something like just showing appreciation like i just kind of going the extra mile like month one into one of my clients they sent me just like a gift card like a thanks for the work like we appreciate you 
And I've never had a client do that. And I was like, this is now my favorite client. I will work with them forever if they want me to. And they, they're very consistent with work. And it's just the whole working with them is very easy. But that was just like a very nice touch that I've ne- in eight years I've never received that from a client. So maybe like think about if you really do appreciate your freelancers, try to show them that. Yeah, no, I, I love that too. Like surprise and delight uh, works well for freelancers too. Mm-hmm. So we do that for yeah. customers. Like why not, why not do that for freelancers? So I think that, and then also just like the little comments, right? Like the little, like, I love like the sentence and like, I love like the storytelling mm-hmm. here. Like that can go a long way oh and like gosh. make a freelancer's day too. Wait, let's hang out on that for a second because that yeah. is so true. You rarely get that either. It's like, you get all the comments for what to change, but anytime there's a little comment that's like, oh, this is great, or I love this phrase. If you've never been a freelancer, you have, but you, the audience, if you've never been a freelancer, I cannot tell you, that like makes my day and sometimes my week every time that happens because we rarely get that kind of feedback. Even if we get great feedback for the overall project, it's not like, oh, I love this phrase. And that's, if you're a freelance writer, like those are the things that you, that's why you got into writing. You like enjoy those pieces of it. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally. And I think the, the part of that too, is that you, it's only negative. Like even if um, as the client, you actually really liked the piece, you're, you're still like only delivering negative feedback in the feedback and that's fine. And like, and like, we'll, we'll get that done. But, but yeah, so just sprinkling in like the things that you do like, cause otherwise like it, it does sometimes come across as like, oh, they hated this, you know, <laughs> or like, oh, like totally missed the mark. And so, yes, yeah, it's like showing those types of appreciation can definitely go, go a long way and they're easy, like they're easy to do. And so it's just remembering mm-hmm. to do it. Okay. So I'm wrapping up here, but what are a few like just wins? Um, you talked about this a little bit with like in the last month, uh, you had kind of this like aha moment of like now things are moving, right? And so like, what do those wins like feel like uh, and look like in content marketing with working with freelancers? Yeah, the first one was that that round of SEO updates I talked about with a freelancer where I did a lot of the upfront work, but there's no way I could have. I mean, it was probably 200 hours worth of work over the course of four or five months. So there's like no way I would have been able to fit it in. But by just putting some framework around it and then letting them get off to the races, it had a huge impact. Like that organic <clears throat> organic traffic is up 75% year over year for Sales Hacker. So, and that that's not something I could have done on my own, right? Another piece of kind of the things coming together the last couple of months is we're trying to do more community sourced articles where we take I mean, kind of what you did before your previous, I mean, exactly what you did in your previous company, like take a, an SEO, take a keyword, but instead of just straight up writing a piece, like source a bunch of quotes from it, from the community, and then have the writer take those quotes and turn, turn it into an article. And that's been working out great because it pulls together, like I give a little bit of guidance from an SEO perspective, pass it to Katie for some questions to pass to the community. She pulls together the question, the answers from the community as community manager. And then we passed it to Hera to write, and she has the bandwidth for writing and the writing chops for it. So it kind of like brings us all together around this one piece of content instead of feeling like it's just one person having to own it. And I think anytime you can get collaborative like that, it works out great. Yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that specific benefit, like of that structure of just having visibility inside the company of what you're doing and and the purpose of it. But then on the flip side, like, 
when you get the community involved, then they'll also help with the distribution of it, right? And like, they'll get excited. They'll know it exists for one. And then they'll also like hopefully share it as well. So that's like yeah. another big benefit of that. But I'm a big fan of that strategy. It's so, something Databox does really well. <clears throat> I guess all their yeah. content pretty much. Yeah, no, I, I guess like the, the resource we should shout out here is like Haro, right? Like I've, I've mm -hmm. definitely seen Databox on Haro, which for the audience is like help a reporter out. So you can just ask, ask your network, ask, ask these big like audiences for subject matter experts. And then there's also help a B2B writer, I think is the other new one that kind of does the same thing. So those are cool. two sources of people. Yeah. If people want right. to start with community led content, those, those are ways to go. And then social obviously as well. Like you do a great job of this, of just like asking, asking your audience questions and like sort of like mining those, those comments to give you ideas for your next kind of content. Okay. So last, the sort of wrap up here is, um, what advice like would you give people who are still on the fence either let's just start with bringing on a freelancer so people that are uh, on the fence about bringing on a freelancer where should they start or how can you ease their fears just start with a lower stakes project if you're nervous about it if you're nervous about people somebody flaking out or not sure how the budget's going to play out look at what's on your back burner like what you haven't had time to actually put your head down and work on pull it off the back burner and find a freelancer that could work on it for you. And then it's a lot lower stakes. It's not, oh, we, we have a freelance writer working on this case study that we need to deliver to sales enablement in two weeks. It's, oh, we had this idea for this long form article, let's try it out. And if it goes live next month, that's totally fine or in two months or however long. So just find a lower stakes project and start there if you're nervous about it. Yeah, no, you're, you're inspiring me already. So I'm going to try this, this out. Okay. So yeah, lastly, just where can people find you? Just, I know, I know you're at outreach and sales hacker, and then you also have your own freelance business. So maybe go through the best places that people can find you. Yeah. Just LinkedIn or Twitter. Honestly, I'm not so good with Twitter, especially DMS and Twitter. So maybe try LinkedIn and my emails on LinkedIn. So if you want to best with email, cause everything else gets lost in the LinkedIn and, and Twitter inboxes. <laughs> That's funny. I might be the worst uh, at email, like, like out of the options. So, so yeah, but yeah, D DM uh, Brooklyn now ask him all of the things and, and also hire him to, for the freelancing stuff. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Content Logistics. This episode is produced by Motion, a done-for-you B2B podcasting agency for busy marketers. If you liked what you heard, please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.